the understanding of the reason of how this works, how economics works, is very much the key to understanding um, personal financial success, understanding how to build sustainable businesses, understanding how the economy works and how our role within it works. Welcome everybody to the AJ Osborne Show, where we focus on our core tenets, impact, freedom, and progress. Join me and others as we grow through education and discussion. All right, everybody. So today we are talking about not just why the rich get richer, but the top three reasons why the rich get richer. This is probably the most It's probably the least understood and by far the most rumors or, you know, misunderstanding representation that is spread that drives me nuts because of the fact that it's really important to understand the understanding of the reason of how this works, how economics works is very much the key to understanding um, personal financial success, understanding how to build sustainable businesses, understanding how the economy works and how our role within it works. These are fundamentals that frankly should be taught in every single school. And so when people leave school, they understand exactly what outcomes are in different segments of the economy. The fact that it's not understood blows my mind because it is such a pivotal, important subject. Not that the rich are getting rich. That's not it at all. It's understanding economic forces that drive wealth, that drive capital and value within the economy that directly translate into sustainability of income, of ideas of innovation allocation of resources um it's really hard to imagine to me anything at all that is more important that you could study in school in fact i would actually argue that there is nothing now you may say well what about science what about any of these other things which are obviously astronomically important but you study those things to be applied economics is the form in which all other studies are applied. Let me repeat that. Economics is the form in which all studies are applied. If you want to be an artist, you want to follow your passion, your dream, you want to express maybe culture, what's happening around you, viewpoints that you have, and you believe strongly and passionately in that. You need to be able to work within the framework of the economy to be successful. If you want to be an artist, whether that's visually, whether that's performatively, whether that's music, it doesn't matter. If you do not understand how to do that thing within society, you not only will probably fail. Um, but as we see many, many times, you will be taken advantage of. Um, or you can also 
get yourself in a very bad position to where you are successful in that thing, but due to the missed managing of your success, dependence on others, um, you are not able to continue with it, or you have, are you're not able to deploy the full value that you can bring to the world. People act like economics is the love of money. Money is a tool, nothing more. Economics simply describes how people are utilizing all the things in the economy, not just money, but how money then is integrated within it to allow us to deploy value. It allows us to build. It allows all the functionality of the things. If you are in the economy, which everyone is, there's no one that's not, that is ridiculous. If you are a nonprofit, if you are a school, if you are an investment firm, if you are an artist, if you are any way, shape, or form participating, you need to understand how it works. So you can deploy the most value to the most people as effectively as possible to create the most change. In life, I strongly believe that we do not want, you know, we talk about financial freedom as buzzwords. And people think financial freedom, we're talking retirement, you're talking sitting on the beach. People don't want that. And you say, oh, AJ, I do want that, right? No, you want that occasionally, intermittently. You want to do nothing. Uh, but that's not what you want. We want purpose. We want to be driven. We want, we, we want there to be meaning to our life. And we want to be valued. And we want our individual skills, no matter what they are, to be appreciated and used by society. That's what we want, right? Now, we definitely want to disengage, to escape, we want to run away for breaks, meaning I want to get away. I want to get out of it. That's actually perfectly normal. There's a recharge purpose for it. Um, but that is not consistently the thing that drives value or happiness in our lives. Um, you know, my grandpa used to always say, um, I'm never going to stop working because when you stop working, you die. That's actually been shown to be true. So when people lose purpose, when they lose value, this idea of retirement means you stop working and you whatever, whatever you do, you fish or whatnot. Um, those people deteriorate much faster, both uh, physically and mentally. Um, their appreciation for life, their mental health, it all goes down because we are not made to not do things. At any age, we're not made to not do things. So I obviously am passionate about this because this is how individuals are not they they help they participate they build and in today's world we need to utilize um, individual intelligence effort um, we need to use the things that humanity brings at its full capacity to make relevant lasting change as the world as the economy are going through major, major shifts. We're leaving uh, a information revolution. We're changing the infrastructure of the world and it's causing problems. We're, we have uh, turmoil everywhere. 
um, both societal, um, economic relations with countries. And a lot of people right now are beyond confused and they don't understand the basics of how the system in which we live work. And that causes more problems. It leaves us feeling helpless. We feel like victims and we can't function. All right. With that said, that was my rant. Now we're moving on to the top three reasons why the rich get richer. First of all, fundamental economics. The rich get richer because they are participants within the economy. Now, you see all these buzzwords and these stories that medias that want to drive clicks because they want to plea to your emotions say, did you know that the rich gained a whopping 30% increase in their net worth and value Why the rest of society didn't or, you know, all that, those headlines. We've all seen them. We see them all the time. You never see them, by the way, in reverse. You don't say, well, the wealthy, the average American, you know, lost 10% of their value Why the wealthy lost uh, 50% because that doesn't click. Um, but Go back on to the first subject. What they don't tell you is that if you in any way, shape, or form participated in the economy, particularly the stock market, the same time those headlines came out, you would have received the same percentage of increase. It drives me nuts because it acts like something is occurring and they're pitting people against each other. The wealth they're making it, you're not. And the only reason is, is because they're rich. That's bullcrap. It's not true. Now, they're participating at a larger amount because they have more in play. But you would participate in the same effect if you were playing. Now, the percentages are different, of course, obviously. And we're going to get on to those reasons and why those amount. But at the end of the day, it's economic participation. They own assets. And within the economy, the GDP grows. Let's say it's 3%. That is an average across in industry, right? Now, some industries grow way faster than 3%. Some assets grow way faster than 3%. And a lot of that 3% is derived in certain segments of the economy that are disproportionate to others. Some industries are failing while others are booming. You average it all out and you get a 3% growth. Well, the people that are participating more highly in high growth sections of the economy outpace the GDP. If you are a direct participant of ownership in the economy, you outpace the overall GDP. So the economy may grow at X percentage, but individuals that participate in certain segments get windfalls of the growth, all of which, by the way, you can know. That's, it's, this is very, these are, this is information that you can research, you can find. Um, the point being, though, is they are economic participants. Really, the wealth is divided up amongst that. The wealth is divided up amongst people that participate and people that don't. If you simply participated in the economy, that's it. Meaning you owned assets and you allocated a percentage of your income to assets. Um, you will be wealthy. That's it. You will be. Now, it may not happen in the time frame you want, whatever that may look like, but if you're doing the least amount and you are participating in the economy via 
stock markets, via whatever it is, and you're allocating a percentage of your income, um, just call it index funds, uh, you will be wealthy. Um, the bare minimum of economic participation delivers wealth, but the bare minimum of economic participation does not deliver it in timeframes in which most people want to see it. They don't want to wait 50, 60 years. Um, and at volumes of which. So the bare minimum, though, it still does it in the economy. And it is, it, it's my belief that every single American should not forced, obviously, but they should be participating. I think that the barriers of entry that separate the mega wealthy and the rest of the world, um, most of that is government instituted because they barred entry to direct participation through things like accredited status. And they do not let normal people, as I refer to as normal, because that's what the government refers to. The government is much harsher. The government actually re refers to those people as stupid. And they say, you are not smart enough to evaluate risks. Why? Because you don't make a certain threshold. You're not a multimillionaire. The government's stance is very simple. If you're a millionaire, do whatever you want, invest in whatever you want. We don't care. You can lose money or make money. It's not our thing. Now, if you don't make a certain amount or have a certain amount of net worth, we really care if you lose money and we'll jail people that lost your money. And um, we're barring entry for you to get into the investments that participate much higher in the economy. They take more of that share of growth because we do not believe that you are smart enough to understand the risks. It also, they believe that you are not financially resilient enough, which that argument is ridiculous to me because that means if you're making $100,000 a year and you could invest $10,000 directly, yet the government says you're not financially resilient enough. Who are they? to say that, that $10,000, 10% of your annual income is too much. So the economic participation part is, first of all, it's a given. We can all participate in it. Let me clarify something right here. I am not talking about poverty. When we look at true poverty, which we're talking about America, I am not including other countries, because we have a very warped sense of poverty in the United States. Um, we do not experience poverty here like anywhere else does. Go ahead, be mad at me um, for saying that. It's just true. Warren Buffett put it best. If you are lower middle-class America, you live a better life today than John D. Rockefeller, the richest man to ever walk the planet. It's true. What you have access to is mind-boggling compared to just 50 years ago the safety nets food stamps most americans that live in poverty still have access to some of the greatest things like iphones and they have really good safety nets in america america has for all intensive purposes eradicated extreme poverty now there are exceptions obviously when we are talking about the homeless epidemic and things like that, that is a completely different subject. And um, we can talk about that another day, but it doesn't mean that they don't have access to those things. It, that is 
overwhelmingly other forces that get involved in that, um, which I have a lot of study and thoughts done, but that is not for this place. We take all those, um, those outliers on the bell curve out because they need resolved, they need fixed, but it doesn't affect the middle bell curve, meaning the changes don't that don't have to happen don't have to and shouldn't happen in the middle of the bell curve to the economy to fix that it's a totally different type of fix so we're not going to go there uh now with that said most americans they do not live in extreme poverty it does not mean they don't hurt it doesn't mean it doesn't suck they're not sacrificing they're not overworked they're not living uh not a good life i'm not saying any of those things even in my father's lifetime, who my father's not that old, he grew up in extreme poverty of which we do not see in America. There was no plumbing. He had to poach for food. They had nothing. They had no, they had outhouses. Um, he's in his sixties. He's not 90. He's not 80. And the basic things that are afforded to most Americans didn't exist. Now, this is due to that economic growth and prosperity and that economic participation across the board, which people can, uh, they get via work, uh, via safety nets, other things like that. Now, when we're talking about though, the separation, it comes back down to participation. How much are you participating? Are you participating and in what means are you participating? Is it an index fund or are you directly investing in a cash flowing real estate asset? Not the same things. Next point. I'm just going to piss probably everybody off in this podcast, but it's just because it pisses you off. It doesn't mean that it's not true. Um, the next point is impact. Now, the wealthy's impact on society outside bell curve things, we're not talking about trust fund kids. We're not talking about those people that just have large bank accounts of which people think is wealthy. Let's get that out of the way right now. Less than 20% of the ultra wealthy wasn't handed down to them. And the vast majority of the ultra wealthy came from middle class homes. That's how they grew up. That's how they came. Then another segment was from poverty. And then another segment was definitely upper middle class or rich. Um, but it wasn't passed on to them, wasn't inherited, right? So when we look at that, uh, the, the, the data behind it clearly states that we do not live in a society where it's just wealth being handed down and down and down. It's not that that doesn't happen. Of course it does. There, there are still Rockefellers using the JD that are living on his trust, right? But that is so few. Most people that make a million dollars a year, so if you look, a lot of people say, well, you have this huge population of millionaires because they made a million dollars a year. What they don't tell you in the data is that over 80% of them, it's a one-time thing. So over 80% of all the people that make a million dollars this year will never make it again, ever. But we present those facts like we assume they make it every year. It's not how it works. Maybe they sold a house. Maybe they got it. And I'm not saying that that's not a lot of money. Of course, it's a lot of money. But we need to make sure that we put these things in perspective. Normally speaking, when we're talking about mega wealth, it is because they have an outsized impact on society. They have built a business. 
right, which they built, they own, of which impacts at a greater good. So if you think about an overarching viewpoint of individuals and even a company where you say, I don't understand how the CEO can make 200 times what the average employee works. Well, first of all, let's just look at it on an impact basis. If you are working at um, whatever a Verizon store and you're selling things to customers, there's nothing wrong with that at all. That's great. Um, and if you mess up, you may mess up on an order, right? There's a very limited amount of impact that you can have on the business, right? You're definitely probably not going to mess up everybody's jobs. You're not going to tank the store. You're not going to do any of those things. Your impact is a consumer, as a customer to business transaction that is limited. If you don't show up for work, there's a limited amount of transactions that won't take place. And it is a replaceable transaction. It's true. It, it, it may not be convenient. It may not be what people want to hear, but it is, it is true. Um, we've all done it. I've all, we've all been there. I have and still do. A lot of the job functions that, that I do, do are. Let's say you're a store manager. Now you have 10 people underneath you. If you mess up, 10 people may be in trouble. The store, you may have the ability to actually mess up the sales on that store, which affects uh, the entire store, the 10 employees um, from bad decisions and things that you can make. So those people are paid higher because their impact now is 10 people servicing, let's just say 10 customers a day. You're servicing 10 customers a day. They're over 10 people. All right, you have 100 customers. It's 100x the impact of or not 100x the impact, but um, the of the one person. Now, let's say you're a regional manager and you extrapolate that over 15 stores. The impact just got way, way bigger. The financial impact, the danger, the risks, because in the economy, there's a few things. You're not paid really on your necessarily work or work ethic. You can dig ditches all day long and be the hardest worker, but that doesn't result in wealth. That's not how wealth works. It's not supposed to be how wealth works. It's never worked like that. So people that say that's not fair, what do you mean it's not fair? Your impact is lower. It doesn't matter how hard you work. We need to reward people by the impact that they make. A CEO is paid on the impact of their decisions. You pay them not for the work they do, but they're supposed to be paid on the quality of their decisions and the impact on the business, the employees, and the shareholders. The CEO does really bad, and all of a sudden, 100,000 employees lose their job, shareholders lose their money, right? Now, the point being, <clears throat> and the illustration of this, is yes, there is a difference between a CEO and a frontline worker. No matter what people like to say, um, it is. Do you trust in the decisions and the work that that person does? Is it making an impact where they're getting paid 100x, but their impact is way, way more than that? It's thousands of times more impactful. Now, when you look at that, 
And when you see it, that's why it's also so egregious when those people make bad choices. That's why in society, there is nothing more evil than the bad CEO that tanked and ruined people's lives. And we hate them for it. They're a villain. Why? Because the impact that they had ruined things. So vice versa, you don't hate the person and the person that did a bad job at a store is not a villain. He just wasn't good at his job and went and got a new job because the impact is less. So look at your business, the assets, your role in society as the impact you are making. Now, most of the wealthy people that I know, impact is far, far greater than what they actually make. There are literally a handful of people that have revolutionized the world we live in. And the fact that they are billionaires, well, they have revolutionized billions of people's lives. And for the vast majority of it, right, it's for the better. Now, here's another problem. I can hear somebody yelling, well, that's not always true. Well, it's not always true, particularly based upon the judgments that you set upon it. We all don't agree on those things. But just because you don't agree with it doesn't mean other people don't and don't agree that that impact is worthwhile. You may say, I hate Walmart because of what they do to mom and pop businesses. So those billionaires are evil. But the millions of customers get goods that they could have never afforded otherwise may 100% disagree with you and are happy that they're billionaires, right? You can't extrapolate your moral judgment and place it on other people and demand that the world revolves around you or your moral judgment. That's stupid, so don't do it. All right, next thing. Third, we've talked about economics impact. Now, the last one is systems and scale. This is building something that can organically grow, be profitable. When we look at this, we are talking about leverage of systems, processes, capital, and people. This ties in economics and impacts uh, and impact through the use of leverage, consistency, and the reoccurring rate at which this happens. You condense the reoccurring rate. Obviously, you get a volume game. You increase the amount of it and you get magnitude, volume, magnitude, and how you can exercise that impact into society through the economy that we have. Scale. If you can build the system, you can help more people, you can employ more people, you can deploy resources faster, quicker. The speed at which you can do that is the speed at which you can reap rewards. So building a system is incredibly valuable in today's society. Businesses are complex systems that have to be built. It is really, really hard to extrapolate impact at scale. Really hard. And the value to be able to build a company or a system that doesn't impact 10 people, but can impact a million people every single day, that is outrageously valuable to everyone, to society. So these are the three fundamental things of why the wealth get wealthier. They understand these things, they build these things, and they apply these things. You don't want to do that, that's fine.
but why are you mad at them that they did it and they got that value from it and now they're much, much richer and they continue to get richer because they continue to make an impact. They continue to create systems and scale. One of the other things that we don't talk about, I mean, a lot of people talk about like risk, things like that, which I think that's actually very much watered down. I, I, I just, and the reason I think it's watered down is not that it's not real. Right now, I risk everything. And for the last 20 years, I have worked nonstop. I've worked multiple jobs. I've, I've, I've lived far, far under our wages and I had to work nonstop to build systems and processes to try to make impacts of which I didn't get paid for for decade plus later. Um, there's risk and there's sacrifice that goes into these three things, obviously. The reason I think it's just watered down and not uh, as well as understood um, is the risk associated with it. Most people don't think it's risk, uh, risky because you're rich. Well, the most volatile social class in the economy meaning the one that people go up and down out of the most, the make it and break it is millionaires. In our economy, in our society, it is the most volatile social class. Other social classes tend to not be that volatile, including poverty. There is such thing as this poverty cycle. People get stuck in it, right? Now, the middle class, sub-middle class, there's actually incredible correlation showing once you're in it, it's hard to mentally get outside of it. And you kind of almost get set. Um, it's a tragedy when you go down, but nobody cares if you go up. But what they find is that wealthy millionaires, the volatility within that social class is extreme. Um, people generally don't consecutively make millions and they cons generally lose it constantly. Um, now, this is true across the board. Uh, during the Great Recession, during you know all these impacts and these risks, they are the ones that lose the most as far as things. And you're like, well, they have the most. Well, yes, but they also lose the social class. So they're, they're completely dropping down. Um, and lots of times it's a lifetime of work. So it's not just what they lost financially. It is purpose. It is lifetime worth of achievement and work. Um, and it is socially, mentally devastating on those individuals. I'm not saying, whoa, and you should be care about millionaires or anything. I'm not. We're talking about the reality of the situation. So the rich that get richer are the ones that not just make an impact. They're not just the ones that are participating in the economy. They're not just the ones that build a system of scale. They're the ones that do all three. I view it when you're talking mega rich, it's infrastructure, meaning society can't function any longer without your infrastructure. We want to incentivize people to build infrastructure that can deploy all of these things. Look at the mess we've gotten in where, you know, we're, we have all these supply chain issues. We have people that are trying to fix it. Um, it, it you know, we get in a big mess. People that solve problems big societal problems should receive such outsized weighted rewards that we all think it's stupid. Um, nobody seems to have problems that actors make $100 million a year. Why? Because, oh, because I like it, right? Um, which is a market function. We're paying to watch the movie. It's great. It's the same reason women soccer players don't make as much as men. 
because the marketplace doesn't watch it. They don't like it. Now, if you have a problem with that, go support them. Don't complain about it, right? Women that complain about soccer players making less don't watch the soccer players that they're complaining about that make paid less. Men don't complain about it. They actually watch, spend their time obnoxiously watching the sports. And then you can extract value from those people. I can get money from them, right? It's an economic function of impact. Women's soccer team, good or bad, don't send me hate mail, has much, much, much less impact on society as male soccer teams. Why? Because that's what society wants. I don't care. I, I'm not into soccer. doesn't bother me. But it, why do we penalize people for what they're doing and try to tell society that they're wrong for doing it? It's not logical. Of course, everyone, there are discrepancies. Of course, there's inefficiencies. And of course, obviously, things go wrong. The point is these three systems are things that the wealthy have mastered. They make big impact. They make big moves. They take risks. They play within the economy and they understand it and they directly participate in the growth. The biggest thing that we haven't talked about, the government. Now, there's a quote. I don't even remember who said it. So it's not even a quote. It, they were talking about this. And the thing is said, which is so true, you want to make the wealthy wealthy the quickest you give money to poor and lower middle class people that is actually 100 true you can track the money so the moment that you give money to the middle class basically any class outside the rich or wealthy that is immediately gone up into the hands of very very few people and everybody's like that's so wrong Okay, we'll talk to the people because it's their personal choices. And you can track it. We, it's amazing to look at what percentage of the um, like bailouts, uh, or excuse me, not the bailouts, but the, um, what were they, the Obama checks or whatever went, that went to Apple. It was a staggering amount. Like the government literally just handed Apple billions of dollars. Everybody went out that got the check immediately and went and bought iPads, went and bought phones, everything else. You can see it. You can track it. It's, this isn't a guess. All right. Checks were delivered here. Apple's products doubled X for the following three straight weeks, and they hit records on every single one. The government paid Apple. Well, um, that's how it works. Steve Jobs and Tim Cook were very, very happy about the government giving them all that money. Um... So the rich actually don't get rich from government bailouts and things like that. That's not really true. Now that happens. Of course it happens. And that's a market inefficiency. First of all, you probably should have just let them fail. That's another story, another time. We're not going to go there. The vast majority of it is when the government is subsidizing certain class, certain people and sending taxpayers money back into the economy. And that filters through consumerism and other means straight back to the hands of very, very few. But that is a choice. That's a choice that people make. And when you look at it, they can make those because most of those people, when you looked at the subsidies that were given, it's not all. Of course, it went and there was a huge segment of the population that it helped make rent and paid, which is absolutely commendable. 
So next time you want to help them out, don't let them spend it. Say, this actually has to go towards rent. This has to go towards groceries. But then most of the time, people don't need to do that because they have other safety nets and things in place. Now, that's I'm not blaming or saying that it's bad that people spent or did that thing. I'm blaming the government. It's incredibly stupid doing that. And you're trying to help out a segment of the population where you're only making the rich richer, right? Those types of things drive me crazy. I'm absolutely against it. We need to have better safety nets that create opportunity and not flush money into the hands of few. I'm 100% anti that. And I think there's way, way better ways of doing it. The problem is when you do those things, you don't get votes. So they don't do it because people really want a new iPad. When you look at the wealthy and how they can work within society, the big thing you have to understand is they build it. They build it. We don't want the government building it because they can't build anything. They suck at everything and they're corrupt. This is just true. I mean, look at uh, the last two presidents we've had. Look at what's going on right now within politics. We can't trust these people at all. They're so corrupt. Whether it's from Epstein to anybody else in this thing, it's disgusting, right? So why do we allow them to manipulate, to empower, and to do these things? Well, the reason is, is because we don't understand how economics work. In the country, the United States today, we do not understand these these things on why the rich get richer. We don't understand how it works. We don't understand the format. Because we don't understand it, they can get away with it. We can have bad players. We need the ability for people to choose. I'm so against monopoly. Right now, the entire internet is monopolized. It is so dangerous. We've learned this a long time ago from the Rockefellers, which a lot of people don't realize. They thought, oh, they stopped J.D. Rockefeller and he couldn't be the richest man alive because they stopped the monopoly. He made more money after they broke him up than they did, which was awesome because he got way richer, but yet it helped the entire economy out because they broke apart that monopoly and then it helped industry and everything else, but it didn't hurt him. So that seems to be a win-win. The government's not taking something from him, right? and they allowed free markets to work. Monopolies are inefficiencies in a capitalistic society, and they're bad. The inefficiencies within the internet are outrageous because no one has been able to keep up with the speed or rate that they grow, and they've monopolized not only the internet, but us and data. It's a big, big problem, but people don't understand it. So they don't understand it, they can't vote against it to protect it. Now, hopefully you understand a little bit better on the reason and how the wealthy get wealthier. The government has only always made people richer. So if you're looking at them to solve problems, they only make people wealthier. That's it. They're taking tax money from the middle class, right? And they are dispersing it back into the economy, which goes to the hands of select few. We were massive beneficiaries of this of COVID. It's just true. Our values exploded, right? We the, the artificially holding down of rates to spur the economy, flooded the economy with money, propped up value, made us millions. That's how it always works. Why? Because the government is trying to protect the infrastructure, the economy. Well, 
in order to protect the infrastructure and the economy so we can actually get toilet paper, food, services, all of this kind of stuff, um, they spur these things on and they grow it, uh, which then, once again, helps the people that are participating in the economy, which if you were participating in, you would have participated in the exact same way. You also then get the downfall of when it goes down. You got to think about these things dynamically in an extreme world that we live in where it's black and white. Everything is boiled down into snippet one-liners. The rich get richer and leave out the actual context. It not only does it not help anybody, it makes it worse for everybody because it creates a lack of understanding and it also creates and stems the problem that we think that there is a quick fix or an easy fix or that you can have everything. We could not have rich people and yet we can have a thriving economy with goods and services that are impacting millions and billions of people. That's not true. It's never happened and it never will. That is completely counterintuitive of every single aspect of human nature until we transcend into some holiness or whatever you want to call it, that we are just all good and we will all work nonstop to participate. It's just rainbows and fairy tales, right? And two, why we are a rewards-based and a competitive-based creature. We are. And that system that we created that installs this is the greatest system ever created on the face of the earth. The, what we have done, we've eradicated extreme poverty in almost the entire world in literally like the last 50 years. In the last 30 years alone, we've taken uh, over a billion people out of extreme poverty. The world is winning on the human front. Now, are there casualties of this? Yes. Casualties of bad systems that can hurt the environment, that can hurt the world. Yes, but we didn't know they were bad systems when they were built. Now that we know, we need people in the economy to build systems that are better, that have the opposite effect. Now that we understand that, it's not about penalizing or stopping or destroying the old systems because then we lose. Everybody loses. You want to get rid of oil? Okay, well, you got to build something better. And a lot of people think it's easy, wind, solar, right? That's just not how it works. We need people to be engaged and we need the rewards to be building solutions that are better for all of us to be greater than the other way around. And as those words rewards work, the economy, all of us will work together to create impact, to create economic systems and processes that have the outcome that we all want. And the people that do that will be vastly, vastly rewarded. The bigger the problem, the bigger the impact you solve, the more money you're going to make. That's how it works. And so when you're looking at why the wealth get wealthier and the rich get richer, instead of complaining, instead of saying it's not fair or something else, it's actually very fair. It's just you're not getting the actual outcome that you want and you're upset about that. Well, that's your problem. So you need to start changing the direction and saying, I want real change. I want opportunities. That's what needs to change. We need to be an opportunistic based country. This is why I am so passionate. Like I talked about the educational system, 
the government systems that we have in place stifle opportunity from everyone except the ultra rich. That is not a capitalist problem. That is not a marketplace problem. That is not a rich person problem. That is a fact. We are not taught anything that is relevant that has to do with how the world works or operates. We do not have a system that allows direct participation in the economy easily because of laws and regulations that bar it. Why people can't directly participate in our deals unless you're a millionaire or something that are the, the best deals that are offered are only offered to the rich. That's it. And the rich, when they actually talk about it, they could actually get in legal trouble. Like you can go to jail for offering a direct investment to someone who is not rich. Think about that. That's kind of crazy. Now I get why they have it. It's to prevent abuse. They don't want people taking advantage of people that don't know better. Well, maybe we should educate people instead of not educating them. And maybe we should create rules about abusing and risk-taking and not bar people out of it and not and definitely don't prevent people from talking about it. Then it's cloak and dagger. And then it creates conspiracy theories and it creates this him and us. Well, he's getting rich and yet we don't even know how, how and I don't have the opportunities that he has. I agree. That's horrible. That's wrong. And that all needs to change. But it is the world we live in. So what you need to do, take the education, take the three parts, start participating in the economy. Look at the impact that you're making on the world around you, the business, and build systems and work within systems that can actually deploy that impact and that value to more people. The more people that you help, the more good you do and the more desirable of things that you make and produce for society, the wealthier you'll get. And that's just the truth. Thanks, everybody.